Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Weekly Roundup with Ricky. This is episode number 40. Again, want to be extremely thankful and grateful for all the love and support that I've received so far. I cannot tell you how excited I get to put this together every week for you, the amount of research that goes in. It it started with something that I do for myself because I like to stay up to date with everything that happens in the project and the space. But I'm appreciative of the fact that the Leon families come to love this podcast and come to appreciate um, the work that the founders and myself put into bring all the information to the Leon family because that's the best thing that makes us happy knowing that our Leon family is up to date with everything and they're making educated decisions, not just with the project, but in the space as well. So to start us off, we're going to start off with TCFX updates because we've got a few of them. Uh, the first and foremost, if you haven't already looked at the announcement section in Discord, we are absolutely thrilled to let you know that we have finally been able to successfully open up our business bank account for TCFX with the prestigious Cantonal Bank of Freeborg, BCF. This is supposed to be a really big milestone because this is something that takes the longest amount of time. Um, after this, I would say uh, the license itself would take a, a few months, but then this this piece was very important because it helps us move forward with our next steps in the journey of TCFX. So that is amazing. Um, as you all know, unlocking funds and everything, it's very essential for the uh, functioning of day to day and also the steps that need to be taken to move forward. So very happy with this. Um, the next one is, uh, so we're currently in the process of writing a contract. Um, so pretty much putting something together that both kind of blew the company that Michelle Konizinski is working on, um, who want to be our very first client with TCFX, by the way, if you have been listening to the past few roundups. I've been talking about them. Uh, we're very excited for this partnership. Um, and once the contract is ready to go, we're going to be sharing it with the Leon family once it's all signed. Uh, we do have a virtual meeting with uh, KOB on the 4th of July to finalize everything. So fingers crossed on that. Um, next one is uh, we do have a meeting with Vincent from Leax, which is our legal partners um, on the third to keep moving forward on the SRO affiliation and the non-action letter. So that's what's required on the legal side of things. So we're taking care of that. So as you can see, things are moving forward on all fronts on the project side, the contracting side, on the legal side, the licensing side. We keep working in parallel. We keep working with the most efficient way forward. Uh, there's nothing stopping us, guys. Like You keep seeing how much work is going into getting us up and running. It would be record time when everything is said and done. Like You'll see how, how quickly everything has been turned around. It takes similar businesses, like even if like it's crazy how, how good it is to see how much work 
Alex and Tony are putting into all of this. It's it's incredible. So you should be proud. I am super proud about being a Leon. Keep spreading the word. Keep telling people the kind of work that's happening. Like I know it's easy to lose out on true valuable projects in the noise of everything with uh, people just hyping up stuff. We're not about the hype. We've never been about the hype, and we will never – be a proponent of it. We're always going to be about long-term utility and value. Um, and you've seen it. You've seen it day in and day out, how we lead ourselves, how we do things. So um, I'm going to now move on to Metaleon side of things because there's a lot of incredible things happening on the community side of things. So you should get super hyped about this. Um, so we have been in touch with and I want to give Jenny a incredible shout out because she's been very instrumental in on the community side of things as Alex and Antonio get busy on the TCFX side of things. So I've been in touch with uh, Worlds Beyond. If you don't know who they are, please go check them out. Uh, Jazzy, who's our community queen, uh, Leon leader, she connected us with them uh, sometime last year and we have built such an incredible relationship with this project. They're another incredible project. If you haven't listened to the AMA that I did with them, I interviewed the founders. Um, it should be on Spotify. Go check it out. They're incredible people. They've done so much for their project. They're mainly on the SUI blockchain, and they are building incredible games. They just launched uh, two games in the alpha release, and we're working on a partnership. They already have a cowboy, our cowboy Leon as a playable character. If you've seen my tweet, I put it out there. I was playing and trying out the game. It's so good. It's so fluid. It's the graphics are so good. I was playing the battle Royale game that they have. And I was playing as our Leon, um, as our cowboy Leon. And it's incredible how well, how beautiful, uh, our Leon looks in their game. So we're thinking, what was the next step of our partnership? And uh, looks like, fingers something in the world's beyond game specific for our Leon family. So keep an eye out for that partnership. Uh, next, we're also in conversation with Generative Dungeons. They're also a long-term partner. Uh, we had some dungeon crawler events with them in the past, and we're looking for new ways to engage with them again. They're doing some incredible stuff there. Uh, last but not the least, very excited about a new, a new partnership, potentially a new partnership. We haven't heard back yet, but... H, who is another incredible community leader in the Leon family, uh, she's put us in touch with, uh, she's trying to put us in touch with the leadership at the ETH Lizards project. And those of you that don't know about it or know about it, they you should know that it's a very solid project with some really good connections in the industry. And it's a very big name. So it it'll be wonderful to have a symbiotic relationship with them. Hopefully something comes out of it. It's too early to say anything, but we're making our moves and we're hoping to build something uh, with them, which is mutually helpful for both of our communities. Cause it's another project, which is it's in the gaming side of things, but it's also 
a long-term uh, utility-based project. So super excited about all these developments. Um, with that, I want to move over to our market updates because, again, there's so much freaking news on the market side of things. I was swimming in updates. I was like, what to, what to put in, what to not put in. So um, I'm going to start off with our first section, which I have named Institutional FOMO. Um, usually institutions are not known to have FOMO. They usually are the ones that control the market. But as you know, the digital asset cryptocurrency market is the one where the institutions were front run by the retail investors, people like you and me. We got our Bitcoin, we got our Ethereum before institutions even knew about it. So they are pretty mad and they're coming in hot and heavy. I already shared about the updates of last week. We had BlackRock, we had Investco, we had rumors of Fidelity coming out with an ETF. EDX crypto exchange was was launched, which was backed by Schwab and Fidelity. Deutsche Bank was working on a digital asset custody project. So the news keeps going on, guys. So rumor from last week has finally been complete. It's proven that it's not a rumor anymore. Fidelity has come out with a press release and said this institutional giant with $4 trillion of assets under management has confirmed that they're going to be filing for a Bitcoin ETF. So it's not a rumor anymore. It's actually happening. Um, so it's insane how much money is going to come into uh, this market. For now, it's Bitcoin. Everybody needs to understand those that are getting worried like, oh, it's all Bitcoin. Nobody's talking about altcoins. That's how things start. First, you look at the number one thing, which is Bitcoin. It has always been. It's always going to be. That's it's just the it's the brand name that Bitcoin has built for itself. Uh, it's understandable. It stands out. It's the most regulated crypto, I believe, because even SEC says it's a commodity. So people are going for Bitcoin first. But as we get regulations and as we get more clarity in the market, I'm 100% sure they're going to go go to Ethereum and then make their way down to the top 50 eventually. So things are things are coming. This is this is great updates. Uh, next one is coming from. Uh, we're going to go to Hong Kong for this one. It's coming from HSBC Bank, and they have also launched a Bitcoin and Ethereum futures ETF. So what's the difference between a spot ETF and a futures ETF? So a spot ETF, I think, in my personal opinion, from how I understand it, a spot ETF is better for price of um of cryptos rather than a futures because in a spot ETF, they actually have to buy the physical tokens. Like they have to buy them from the market. Whereas the futures is a paper contract. So it's like a paper representation of, it's like a derivative in a way. Um, so it's like a paper contract on top of the crypto and it's settled in cash. So there's no actual buying or selling of bitcoin when there's a futures etf but it's all speculation based on the price so i would rather have a spot than a futures but any etf getting approved is a good sign um next up arc invest the investment firm run by kathy wood 
um, which invests in innovation. So they're also invested in cryptocurrencies, as you might tell, mostly in companies, they don't buy Bitcoin, Ethereum directly, they buy like ETFs. Um, so what's happened is they have added a surveillance agreement to their ETF application, which they're working on with 21 shares. So they already had an ETF application out for the SEC. But if you remember, BlackRock put, BlackRock put out its ETF application and what they did different from other people, they, they came into an agreement uh, with New York Stock Exchange uh, for them to provide prices. So uh, I think they probably had some insider information that um, the reason SEC, I'm only speculating based on their action. So maybe it was because SEC was looking for uh, how would you prove that there's not going to be price manipulation in the market. So that's why they partnered with a trusted third party to provide the prices. So it looks like the playbook is out after BlackRock did it. ARK Invest updated their uh, application and they added CME Group from Chicago to do the same thing that BlackRock's um, hired NYSE for. So it looks like that's the secret sauce. And if BlackRock gets approved, I'm pretty sure ARK Invest's ETF is going to get approved because this is the third time applying for it. And this is the only thing that they're doing different. So fingers crossed, hopefully they do get it because the more spot ETFs we have, I was looking at a, I was, um, I mean, I don't really look at prices much, but I was looking at a graph of gold um, and it was showing the price of gold before a spot ETF got approved and after a spot ETF got approved and the price went parabolic. So it's a uh, common I mean, it's common sense. Uh, the demand is going to go exponential. The supply is going to remain the same. So price is supposed to go up. I mean, it's it's how things work. But hopefully, uh, there's no bad manipulation in the market. I can only hope. Um, all I know is uh, <clears throat> these big firms only care about making money. So they'll make money if things go up or down. So they don't care about long-term adoption on anything. The BlackRock CEO last week came out and said that he sees a, a global market in Bitcoin. And I was like, well, Bitcoin was a global market even before you came in here. So uh, you're late to the party, buddy. Um, but yeah, having Larry Fink talk, talk about Bitcoin in a nice way, literally two years after he called, um, what did he call Bitcoin? Uh, I think it was like a pond a Ponzi on steroids or something like that. Like he was calling it a bubble and nobody should touch it. Um, so here we are, literally nothing has changed in Bitcoin in two years. So um, you know that he was probably buying Bitcoin back then for his firm uh, when he was fighting the market. So moving along with more adoption stuff, uh, MicroStrategy CEO, well, I think he's not the CEO anymore, but like, I think he, came down to be the chairman because he wanted to work on Bitcoin adoption more. Um, Michael Saylor has confirmed that MicroStrategy, which has kept buying Bitcoin for the past few years, um, they have purchased another $350 million worth of Bitcoin. Um, that's a lot of Bitcoin. That was about 12,000 Bitcoin that they purchased. Uh, now the total Bitcoin holding of MicroStrategy sits a little over 
152,000 Bitcoin. So that's a ton um, of Bitcoin. That makes that's, that easily makes them the largest holder of Bitcoin on the planet, I believe. Um, Michael Saylor keeps putting his uh, money where his mouth is. If this pays off and Bitcoin actually leads to gets major adoption and we get the money from institutions flying in might be uh micro strategy might easily become a trillion dollar company overnight like who knows so it's a big bet it might be the smartest or the stupidest bet of the century but he's going all in on bitcoin so that's that's pretty interesting uh, some bad news in the market, which lately, if you know me, I always share the bad news with you guys. Uh, there hasn't been much. It's crazy how um, Gary Gensler's guy. Oh, before I even go to this news, I had a quick update on uh, if you haven't been following what just happened literally last week, uh, this company called Prometheum, uh, it has like two CEOs. One of the CEOs, uh, has been going around making the rounds um, saying that SEC has given them the license to trade crypto securities and there's a path to registration. How Gary Gensler, the SEC uh, chairman, keeps saying like exchanges should come in and register. Um, everything was shady about this company to begin with. So it was a shell company to begin with that was that had investors from China. And uh, then upon digging up more, um, this founder and bunch of his uh, family members, I think his dad and his brother, uh, all of them were attorneys from a non-accredited university. Uh, so even their degrees were like questionable. Um, and when you go to their website of Prometheum, you notice that there's no product. It's just a landing page that you can literally pay someone 50 bucks to make. Um, there's no product. SEC gave them the license to trade crypto securities without even having a product. And some more red flags upon being asked on the Senate hearing when this guy showed up out of nowhere and he got a seat in the Senate hearing. I don't know how that happened. Um, he said when he was asked by a uh, senator that... Uh, can you trade Bitcoin or Ethereum now that you have the license? Because they are the two major cryptocurrencies in the market with 80% of the asset, 80% of value coming from these two, from the market cap. The guy said no. So what's the point of having a license when you don't even have a business? So clearly there's speculations right now. And, uh, the blockchain association which is a lobbying group in dc for crypto they have asked for uh information from the sec about their interactions with prometheum because they are hinting at a at a thing that this company and this person might have been a plant from the sec side to advocate for uh their come in and register policy which everybody in the industry except this one company that came out of nowhere agree that that's not a that's not a normal that's not how it works there's no way to register that's why coinbase and binance are fighting with the sec right now because there's no clarity in the market 
Um, so that was some crazy development. This guy showed up to an interview with Laura Shin. She's uh, the lead and I think the founder of Unchained Podcast. Uh, she brought a lawyer from the industry and a very, like he's been in the industry for like five years. That guy destroyed this Kaplan guy. Like he had nothing to say. So um, clearly Gary Gensler's uh, antiques are clearly showing in the market. So it's good to see. So there's really not bad news anymore. The only thing that came out this week was uh, Prime Trust Custodian. So Prime Trust was someone that was holding funds for other companies uh, on the crypto side of things. They have halted operations, and I think they're moving towards bankruptcy because a news surfaced that they could not service their customer withdraw withdrawal requests. And we all know how that goes when that happens. FTX went through that. All of a sudden, they stopped customer withdrawals, and literally the next day, they filed for bankruptcy. Uh, so upon digging into them, it came out that they had lost their main wallet. They had lost access to the main wallet that they had, which had millions of dollars worth of crypto in it. I think it was like $22 million or something. And then to make things worse, they used existing customer funds to buy back some of the crypto that they had lost. So uh, another stupid move on their part. Uh, red flag number three, their auditor that audited their funds was the same auditor that FTX had used. So there goes another bad actor from the industry. So funny thing is market did not even flinch at all. Um, because, well, I can speculate on why there's no fluctuations in the market because of this news. Maybe we are at the bottom and no bad news can change anything at this point. So, um, and also, this was not a big black swan event because $20, $30 million is not really that big of a deal in the market. But also, we don't know if someone stole those funds or they just lost access to the funds. Because if they lost access to the funds, then there's no way someone can sell those tokens that got lost. So, And they used customer funds to buy crypto. So that shouldn't have affected the price negatively either. So a, uh, I think they're getting sued at this point, and the court in Las Vegas is asking them to just not process any transactions until the legality of things are being figured out. So that's the bad news from the market. We're going to move on to some adoption news because globally a lot is happening. So we're going to start with Europe. Uh, the European Commission has proposed a plan, and this is again related to uh, digital fiat currency. So the European Commission has proposed a plan to push adoption of the digital euro, and it's supposed to open up the market to multiple players um, and other private companies. The euro market is currently mainly controlled by MasterCard and Visa. So you can expect competitions from um, stable coins, euro-based stable coins, and maybe a CBDC. Who knows? So they're opening up the market. Their main goal, the commission said, is to push for euro adoptions in the market. As you all know, every currency, including the yuan, the euro, 
everybody's trying to take away the US dollar global trade dominance. So I see why they would push for uh, proposals like that. Uh, next up, major crypto exchange, crypto.com has successfully received a green light from Spain to offer its crypto services. And this has come, this news has come within weeks of them receiving the license to provide crypto services in Singapore. So that's again, good news for crypto.com. They keep growing in different countries and keep providing their services. Uh, next up Paxos. If you remember Paxos, they're the same people that were, that got sued by <clears throat> the New York attorney general. Um, and they were asked to stop issuing the BUSD token, um, which was a stable coin that Binance used in the US. They have partnered with Mercado Libre, which is supposed to be one of the largest crypto exchanges in Mexico. And they're bringing in USDP, which is Paxos's own stable coin. And they're going to bring it to 3.1 million Mexican uh, crypto users. So it's great news for Mexico. People in Mexico have been very, very pro crypto in terms of adoption because there is a large population of unbanked people. And uh, that's that's good news. So Paxos is launching its stable coin in Mexico. Um, next up, news coming from Sony Network. So Sony Network is a subsidiary of the parent company, Sony. They have signed a deal to invest $3.5 million, and they've also moved one of their executives to this Japanese Web3 startup. And this Web3 startup is called Stardo Labs. And the goal of this startup in Japan is supposed to be um, to push mass adoption of Web3. And secondary is to bring real world assets into Web3. So Sony Network, it has been going big into crypto. I know they've been researching NFTs. I know they've been working on tokenization. So uh, their subsidiaries are also working on Web3 as well. So that's great news. Uh, their main purpose to do this is to spread Web3 adoption because according to Sony, they do believe that uh, bringing assets into the digital world, uh, Web3 is the answer for that. And that's the natural progression of digital assets. So uh, that's good news there. Uh, next up, we have Riot Platforms, uh, which is a, I think it's a publicly traded company which uh, does Bitcoin mining. They have thousands and thousands of Bitcoin miners. They're one of the biggest providers of the hash rate of Bitcoin. They have come out and said that they are going to be buying 33,000 Bitcoin miners and they're going to bring them online before the halving event of Bitcoin in 2024. So every four years, Bitcoin supply issuance rate gets cut in half. So the amount of Bitcoin that gets released um, as a reward for miners for uh, mining uh, the blockchain and uh, creating blocks, that's going to go down by half again in 2024. Uh, so the reason they're bringing in 33,000 Bitcoin miners online is because they want to mine some of the last um, high issuance of Bitcoin before the supply gets cut in half. So good for ride platforms, uh, good for 
good for Bitcoin because the more miners that they have, the more hash power the network has, the more secure the network is. The more secure the network is, the better it is for the long-term value of the network. So um, it's all good news. Uh, to close things out, we have a fun and interesting piece of news for you guys. Um, the agents from the United States Secret Services from the San Francisco field office have finally confirmed uh, that they, in fact, did create an NFT collection, which is currently sitting on OpenSea. Um, and they said that this collection was created as a part of a, an experiment for them to check out what NFTs look like and how they work. And it was created as part of the Digital Asset Technology Alliance, DATA Data Squad. So it's like a subcommittee or something of people that wanted to learn about digital assets. Uh, so yeah, um, who would have thought the Secret Services would create an NFT collection? Well, there they are. Uh, I am grateful for all of you. I love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And I am going to see you all next week.